going on everybody i am dave rubin this is the rubin report direct message for today may 11th 2021 as always click that subscribe button if you're watching on youtube and tap that notification bell so that you might just see our videos and i am feeling very refreshed and alive and awake i had a three-day weekend we did not go live yesterday because my brother was visiting and we ate a lot of food and played a lot of basketball and did a lot of pool time and got a little bit of sun and I'm feeling good about the world. And then of course, as I'm ready to get back into the swing of things this morning, I open up Twitter this morning as I'm having my morning coffee and I see a tweet which basically from the New York Times basically calling me a white supremacist. So we're gonna have to unpack that and much more. Yes, that's what we're gonna focus on this morning, just more nonsense from the New York Times, they also got the name of the show wrong. They called it the Dave Rubin Show. I suspect I'm not gonna get an apology or a retraction on either. I was more annoyed actually that they called it the Dave Rubin Show than, the, than being called a white supremacist. Like that being called a white supremacist by the New York Times. It's happened before, it'll happen again. You know, We realize everyone knows they're a garbage crap factory. Um, but I was like, at least get the name of the show right. So if people Google, so if the white supremacists that are reading the New York Times are like, oh, I'd like to find out more about that white supremacist, Dave Rubin and his white supremacist show, they'd at least Google the correct show. Now they're not even gonna go to the correct show unless there's an alternative show named the Dave Rubin show where that guy is interviewing a lot of white supremacists. You never know, you never know. Anyway, we're gonna talk all about that and then we are gonna talk about this clip that went viral over the weekend from Sarah Silverman on her podcast, just trashing Caitlyn Jenner. And I think it's a perfect example of how the wokesters are everything that they purport everyone else to be, that they're actually the bigots and the intolerant ones and all that. And Sarah Silverman, who every now and again has this like little glimmer of like, oh, you are waking up to the lefty nonsense, but then she just always falls right back into it. So we're gonna show you that clip. Oh, and then uh, the third story today, we're doing four stories total. The third story today I think is really important. Uh, it's about this pastor in Canada who we referenced on the show on Friday. Uh, we did a whole panel on what's going on in Canada and the draconian lockdowns and everything else. And Ezra Levant from The Rebel brought up the story of this pastor, I believe his name is Arthur Pawlowski, and he uh, has been arrested for trying to keep his church open during the lockdowns. We're gonna show you some video on that. Uh, at, it was sort of breaking as we talked about it on Friday. And then of course, nothing, nothing good came of that. Uh, and then finally, we're gonna talk about Disney because that giant corporate conglomerate that's basically running all of our lives, they're very woke and they're very racist and they are instituting that within their entire organization right now with this diversity inclusion nonsense. And Chris Rufo, who's just doing freaking spectacular work, who I've had on the show, who is a lawyer, who is doing great work exposing how these diversity and inclusion departments are systemically adding racism to all of these giant organizations. Well, he got some leaked documents that Disney is uh, you know, putting forward to their employees and it's just extraordinary, the, the evil, garbage, woke crap that they are putting out there, it's just incredible. But first, before we get to all of that, the New York Times kinda called me a white supremacist again, so let's unpack it. So yes, I woke up to a tweet from a guy by the name of Wilt Chamberlain, not Wilt Chamberlain, Will Chamberlain, 
uh, from Human Events, which is an online magazine, uh, and I've met him once or twice, nice guy, and his tweet said, this is the state of the New York Times. Apparently, Mara Gay, she's the journalist over there, thinks the Rubin Report, a former Cenk Uger employee, is basically Stormfront. Now, I suppose Stormfront is some giant alt-right, actually kind of neo-Nazi online magazine. I'm not even quite sure what that is. But what he was quoting was this. Now, this is a question that was asked by Mara Gay, who is the New York Times journalist. This is a question that she asked Andrew Yang. Now, Andrew Yang is running for uh, mayor of New York City, and they were doing a print interview, and she asked this question of Andrew Yang. Thank you. Over the years, you've built your brand by frequently doing radio and other appearances with right-wing media personalities. At times, you said that the Democratic Party should gravitate away from identity politics. You've supported automating fast food workers at times. Why appear on shows like The Dave Rubin Show, who regularly hosts white supremacists? Okay, so first off, let's just do a little cleanup job on that. You can see the way these wokesters combine all of these issues into one thing, like, oh, you're sort of against identity politics and you're kind of for automation and scary right-wingers. Like, it's just like this amalgamation of stuff that makes no sense. Now, as for right-wing, look, I've been talking for a while how basically defending my liberal principles is becoming a conservative position. I did write an entire book here defending classical liberalism, defending the liberalism that once was the Democratic Party, defending the liberalism that John F. Kennedy was talking about and that Daniel Patrick Moynihan was talking about and that the great uh, list of true liberal thinkers uh, have been fighting for for years, including the founders of the United States. Now, I know that that's scary right-wing conservative stuff, but okay, so they get the name of the show wrong, that's fine, and in essence, they're saying that I regularly have white supremacists on. Now, to my knowledge, I have never had a white supremacist on. Have I had people on the show who've talked about borders, who've talked about immigration, all sorts of stuff. I have no belief that I've ever had anyone on the show, or certainly no one who has ever said it to me that they want, that they're a white supremacist in in that they want either America to be a white nation or that they believe that white people should have special laws. Now, ironically, it's the wokesters, and I assume Mara Gay is one of them, who actually want systemic racism, right? They want black people to have special laws. They want there to be quotas. They like the idea of affirmative action and all of those things. I'm against all those things. I want everyone to be treated equally, regardless of the color of their skin. Okay, so that was the question. She, she says, I regularly host white supremacists, which in essence is saying that I'm a white supremacist, and uh, she gets the name of the show wrong. Now, here's the response from Yang, and you really gotta listen to it. It's, it's actually a little bit confusing because of the way he spoke, uh, but especially the end part is the key part. First, I think that the interviews you're describing may not have done that at the time that I appeared on their platform. I think most people know that at the time when I was running for president, I was willing to talk to just about anyone that frankly would help get the message out about how Trump was the symptom of a whole series of problems and that we need to unite to defeat him. And that's something that I think my campaign did make some contribution to. I'm someone who thinks that talking to people of different backgrounds is not necessarily always a bad thing. But certainly my goal was just to try and make the case to different people who could help defeat Trump. I'm not sure that was the wrong approach. I will say too that if I had a choice between a New York Times podcast and one of those 
these podcasts that we're describing, I would have chosen you. Okay, so he sort of makes sense at the beginning of this, Andrew Yang, where he's saying basically, you know, you should talk to all sorts of different people. And if you're gonna talk to different people, you're gonna talk to people that have different opinions than you. And I know that's very scary to the wokesters, but he was trying to have a campaign that was gonna reach out to all of those disaffected people, right? So that's, that's actually quite, Admirable. Now, what he's saying there at the end, now, first off, he's also, uh, he's equate, he's sort of doing a little trick there because he's also kind of like, oh, I didn't know everything about these podcasts. But in essence, I guess he's basically talking about me. Uh, but the last line there is the interesting thing because he says, uh, can we just scroll back so I can just see a little, I wanna get it totally right. He says, I will say too that if I had a choice between a New York Times podcast and one of these podcasts that we're describing, I would have chosen you. So he's saying a couple things there. So first off, what he's saying is the New York Times ignored him. And that's actually true. The Times and MSNBC and mainstream media did ignore him. Now, the clips that we put up with Andrew Yang, who I treated totally respectfully, uh, got about a million views. Uh, so I think he enjoyed talking to my audience and, and I treated him with the same respect that I treat everybody else. Uh, so in essence, what he's saying there is, oh, because you guys wouldn't put me on, I had to do those other shows. Now that actually might be kind of true, right? He couldn't get traction with those guys because he isn't a purely far left demagogue the way they would want him to be, a Elizabeth Warren or an AOC or a Bernie or that type of thing. He was a little bit more centrist and that was dangerous to these guys. But what he's also saying is he's basically throwing me, and I suppose he sort of means Joe Rogan here too, uh, meaning if you guys would have put me on, I wouldn't, I would have chosen you instead of those other dangerous things. Now, I have to say something here, and I don't like doing this because I don't like throwing former guests under the bus, and I'm really gonna try not to do that, but I have to say something that is absolutely true about Andrew Yang. When Andrew Yang came to my house, he, my house, that's where we did the show, in my garage, he walked in, we chatted for a little bit, we talked a little bit about basketball and video games, smiling, happy, fun. He told me how much he loved the show and that he understands the difference between liberals and what's happened with the crazy left. Um, he talked about how incredible the IDW, the intellectual dark web was, that was in the middle of when the whole thing was blowing up and that we're actually making a difference and a whole bunch of other stuff along those lines. So if he thought somehow that I was a white supremacist or that I host white supremacists or anything else, he didn't say anything about that. All he talked about was how great the show is and that I'm making a difference and that liberalism is worthy of being saved and everything else. So I don't think that's throwing Andrew Yang under the bus the way he just threw me under the bus. Um, but I think that's addressing what the actual truth is. By the way, I reached out to Andrew Yang first thing this morning about four hours ago privately, didn't hear back. Now he could be very busy. He's running for mayor of New York City right now. We also reached out to his press team and we didn't hear back. Um, so anyway, I mention all of this, not really not even to make it about me, but this, when people say to me, well, Dave, what's happened to the liberals? It seems to me that Yang is sort of a perfect example of that. He's someone who has good, I would say, old school liberal ideals but he really wants to play to the wokesters. And ah, I wouldn't have done that scary Dave Rubin show. I would have done your podcast. I don't know that anyone listens to a New York Times podcast. Millions of people watch and listen to this show, right? We've, we've actually made a difference here. Um, but he is pandering because he's running uh, for mayor of New York City right now and has to do what he has to do. So he has to throw people under the bus including scary me. And I know I'm, I'm, a, I'm a scary guy. And yes, the New York Times did run a front page cover story about how I'm leading people to the alt-right, even though you know I grew up around Holocaust survivors. I write about that in my book, Defending Liberalism. 
uh, and I'm completely against that identity politics and I'm completely for individual rights and all that stuff, but I know it's very scary. But when I, when I see why now people don't like liberals, I get it, I fully get it because this is what liberals tend to do. Liberals tend to gatekeep to the point that they'll throw anyone under the bus in order to save themselves, and that's what he's trying to do. Andrew Yang knows that I haven't had white supremacists on the show. That isn't to say I haven't had controversial people on the show, but he knows I haven't had white supremacists. He knows that I did the right thing by having him on the show and that I treated him the way everybody else did. So I don't really want to, look, she's just a bad journalist, this Mara Gay person. You got the name of the show wrong. Like at the very least, if the New York Times is a place of journalism, at the very least you would fix that if not you know, saying that I'm not a white supremacist or that I don't host white supremacists. But everyone's a white supremacist to these people. And by the way, I had a ton of people on Twitter telling me today, you know, sue them for libel, sue them for libel. And I've been through this game before. You know, the funny thing is when I woke up and I saw this this morning, I actually kind of smiled. Cause I was like, oh, here we go again. Like this is the stuff that after you've been through the hit pieces enough and, and after you've been around enough people who've been through this stuff, I saw it happen to Jordan Peterson all the time. And you guys, you guys know all this stuff, all the people that are called racists and bigots and everything else, the stuff that they call you, right? We happen to be public people. So you see them doing it to us, but really what they're doing is they're doing it to you. I mean, this is what I always tell you about Tucker. The reason they're always saying these horrible things about Tucker is because Tucker is actually fighting for you guys, right? Like he's fighting for himself, but in essence, he's fighting for all the rest of us and they wanna destroy him. So when they're saying Tucker's a white supremacist because he either believes in borders or whatever it is that he might believe in, it's like they're really coming for all of you. So I saw this this morning and it wasn't like, like back in the day that five years ago or something, that it really would have upset me. It's not nice to be called a white supremacist when you're not a white supremacist. I suppose if you are a white supremacist and someone calls you a white supremacist, it's a pretty, pretty great day. You're like, oh, I got the credit I deserve. Um, but I'm not a white supremacist. So when they say these ridiculous things, the New York Times is saying far more about itself. Mara Gay is saying far more about herself, her, her myopic view of the world than anything about me. Like I'm not a white supremacist, there you go. I don't believe that white people should have special rights or, or an ethno state here in the United States. I don't mean to be controversial, but that's not the stuff that I believe in. I believe this is a country for everybody. I believe that stuff that's on the uh, Statue of Liberty there and I believe in the founding documents. Now the problem is the people at the New York Times and, and I suspect this woman, they don't believe in those things. They, they believe that the founding documents, the reason for the United States, they believe that is evil. That's why they did the 1619 Project, right? Because the roots of this country are racist, according to these, these people. And by the way, these are the ones, as I always say, that are ushering in systemic racism because we now even know that the COVID relief bill uh, has certain benefits that you get depending on the color of your skin. Yes, really, that is real. I am not making that up. Anywho, I could probably go on about this all day long, but for those of you that are sitting here thinking, wait a minute, Mara Gay, what, what, why does that ring a bell? Why does that name ring a bell? You may remember this video from a few months ago that went viral. You see it as a possibility if he wants to spend a billion bucks beating this guy, he could do it. Absolutely. Um, somebody tweeted recently that um, actually with the money he spent, he could have given every American a million dollars. I got it. Let's put it up yeah. on the screen. It, when I read it uh, tonight on social media, it kind of all became clear. Bloomberg spent $500 million on ads. U.S. population, $327 million. Uh, don't tell us if you're ahead of us on the math. He could have given each American $1 million and have had lunch money left over. It's an incredible way of putting it. It's an incredible way of putting it. It's true. It's disturbing. It does, it does suggest 
you know, what we're talking about here, which is there, there's too much money in politics. Um, I mean, is that is that just perfect? Did you catch what happened there? I don't know if that's worth worse for Mara Gay or worse for Brian Williams, but Bloomberg put 500 million in that ridiculous fake campaign that he ran, and they were claiming that he could have given a million dollars to every American for that um, for that amount of money. Uh, that would have cost. We we even did the math using our fancy iPhone calculator. Uh, if you gave every American one million dollars, um, because there's about 328 million Americans, that would have been $328 trillion, not $500 million. So she's not that bright. I get it about math. I'm being a little petty here. Brian Williams, these people are all embarrassing. Like the reason that clip, the reason I even posted that clip, because it's just such a perfect example of drivel. New York Times journalist, New York Times journalist goes on MSNBC journalist program with Brian Williams, who is disgraced Brian Williams, who got caught lying while he was the anchor on NBC. So they booted him to the minor leagues, to MSNBC. So they were like, you're not a journalist worthy of this place. We'll put you on our crap channel over here, you know, so you can hang out with Maddow. And, uh, and they get everything wrong. Like, did anyone get fired, the segment producer? Like, anyone involved in the math or the production of that segment or anything? Like, it's just, it's all just silly nonsense. Anyway, to put the button on this, I am not a white supremacist. The name of the show is The Rubin Report. And I will continue telling you to the best of my ability what's going on in the world. And uh, I enjoy those of you who enjoy it. Oh, and one last thing. In honor of Mara Gay and the New York Times and the Dave Rubin Show and the whole freaking thing. If you sign up today at rubinreport.com slash support, if you so sign up today for the Rubin Report community, we'll give you three months free. That's what we're gonna do if you wanna sign up to this white supremacy show, rubinreport.com slash support. You're gonna get three months free on the annual subscription. So it's $45 instead of 60 bucks. And I think you'll find we have an incredible growing community of free thinkers and people debating ideas and talking about stuff and, and making social media fun and, and not painful. So it's rubenreport.com slash support. Three months free, that is only for today. And now we'll get to everything else. But before I do, I wanna to talk to you about Start Mail. You know, free email services like Gmail and Yahoo aren't really free, of course you guys know that. You pay with your privacy. And since those companies have access to every email you send and receive, big tech can sell your data to the highest bidder. From business plans to medical records, companies can sell your personal data to target you with intrusive ads and open you up to identity theft and phishing attacks. That's why Startmail wants to secure your email and make you feel safe again. Startmail keeps your email private, period. Every email is encrypted even if the recipient doesn't use encryption, which means that big tech can't scan, read, analyze, or sell your personal data ever. Startmail also prevents government agencies from spying on you, like in dragnet operations. With Startmail, deleted means deleted. When you delete an email, it's gone forever. And Startmail uses their own servers, not Amazon's, which means they can't be put out of business like Parler. Startmail is also backed by the most stringent privacy laws in the world. You'll get unlimited anonymous aliases. This feature protects your main email address from spam and phishing attacks. So when you're giving your email to a company, but you wanna protect your identity, Startmail can generate a shareable alias email so people can't sell your info and they can be deleted anytime. Here at the Rubin Report, we've been looking for alternatives to Google, so we're excited by what Startmail has to offer. I don't trust big tech and neither should you. 
Start securing your email privacy with Startmail. Sign up today and you'll get 50% off the first year. Go to startmail.com slash Ruben. That's start with a T, mail.com slash Ruben for 50% off your first year. Startmail.com slash Ruben. Startmail.com slash Ruben. And now back to me. So Sarah Silverman, she's a comedian. I, I sort of have to say comedian the way I have to say journalist these days. Mostly she's a shrieking, harping, preening, progressive wokester, uh, but she's got a podcast. Uh, and as I said to you at the beginning of the show, you know, she's one of these people that like, she used to be politically incorrect and do blackface and date Jimmy Kimmel who did blackface and every, you know, make fun of gay people and make fun of everybody. But then she sort of became woke and politically correct. And now she's constantly, you know, basically saying everyone else is a racist and all that stuff, which always is a cover for their own sins, right? I mean, we, we know this, this is what they all do. This is sort of like Hank Azaria, uh, who does the voice of Apu in The Simpsons. He's not gonna do Apu anymore. Uh, but he's not returning the money. So they're always protecting what they've done. Jimmy Kimmel, the reason he calls everyone else racist, it's because it's like, yeah, you were doing Carl Malone in blackface because you're a racist, Jimmy Kimmel. Well, Sarah Silverman on her podcast went on this crazy rant about Caitlyn Jenner. And let's take a listen. If you think a trans girl, what you think a trans girl is too strong? I. <laughs> what about tall girls? as opposed to short girls? What about uh, boys in high school who are teeny tiny and their teammates uh, have already hit puberty and are shaving? Why don't you just have co-ed sports divided by weight or height, I, you know? This is so dumb. They are legislating this without one single example of how this plays out. This is not worrying about girls' sports. Uh, believe me, not... <laughs> I think uh, there are better ways to worry about girl sports. This is not worrying about, this is not what that is. This is not worrying. This is not concern for girl sports. It's transphobia full stop. It's just such a bummer when a, you know, such a prominent trans woman is such a twat. You know, it's like being Jewish right now and having the most recognizable Jewish names be Weinstein and Epstein. You know, it's like super not awesome, but. Yeah, well, listen, as a Jew, frankly, I'm not thrilled with uh, people named Silverman, but putting that aside for a second, what you're really understanding about these people, first off, I, I, how do you listen to that? How does anyone watch that show or listen to her? I mean, it's just, there's such an unpleasant way of speaking and just like this certitude about stuff that she doesn't know what she's talking about. So first off, all Caitlin wants and all that most sane people want is you don't want biological boys competing with biological girls in sports. Everyone knows that there's a difference between boys and girls. We've been through this shit so many times that it's actually getting annoying. And in a weird way, as I've been saying, they've sort of won, like the movement has won because they keep us all talking about something that affects virtually nobody. Not to say for the people that it affects, it isn't important, but it's, it's just nonsense. So first off, she's also then making this comparison that the trans thing is somehow like tall girls competing with short girls or something like that, which is crazy because if you think about basketball for a second, if you're very tall, you have an advantage. And if you're short, you have to play differently, but a team needs a point guard who's usually short and needed a center who's usually tall. And this is how you do it. But those people have the same biological characteristics, right? Like some of them happen to be taller, but they don't, that's not changing muscle and bone density and all of these things that are biological. So if, you, if, if what they're really saying, if what someone like Sarah Silverman is really saying is that we're all just actually evil, uh, evil. <laughs> 
<laughs> that is what she's saying in a way. If you if that we're all just equal, meaning boy, male and female, they mean nothing. Biological differences mean nothing. Well, then she's really making the best argument to get rid of gendered sports altogether, that we should have just one league. Now, I think there's an argument to be made for that. However, I don't think the feminists or any girl is going to want that because all of the sports, and sports are based on skill, right, and your ability to accomplish, your ability to kick the ball in the net or dunk the basketball or hit the baseball, they will all be dominated by men, which is why we all know that the worst player in the NBA would be the WNBA MVP. That doesn't mean you can't like watching girls basketball. It doesn't mean that girls shouldn't play basketball. My, my producer, Michael, his sister is awesome at basketball. She came here and whooped my ass in horse. It was embarrassing. She even turns him in the middle and she's like, I, I, can I beat him this badly? And I was like, yeah, you can. Cause, but I was trying, okay? And yes, I'm 44, I got a torn ACL. Yeah, okay, fine. The point is that's not to say women suck at sports. They don't, but, but men and women are different. Men and women are different. The idea that saying that makes you transphobic and also the word phobic, that you have an irrational fear of trans people. It seems to me that Sarah Silverman is transphobic. She has an irrational fear of these people because when Caitlyn Jenner, comes out and says what she believes, you think you can say all the worst things about her, right? You can call her a twat. And I'm sure she's called her worse, right? But I believe the trans people have the same ability as everybody else to believe all sorts of different things. I believe black people can think whatever they want. And that inherently doesn't make them a bad person, right? I believe trans people can think all the things that they want. But this woman, Caitlyn Jenner, who I don't ha- I personally don't have a problem calling a woman, right? That is not denying that she is still biologically a male, which I'm fairly certain Caitlyn would say as well. When, when four years ago, when she first sort of came out as trans, she was a hero to all of these people. But then she did the cardinal sin of wokeism. She dared start saying what she actually believes. And now she is the enemy. So it is you, Sarah Silverman, who is transphobic because you are, tr- are phobic. You have an irrational fear of trans people who think for themselves. Because guess what, Sarah Silverman? Not all trans people have to think the way you think they have to think. Thus, you are the bigot in this case. Lordy, lordy. And of course, you know, her ex-boyfriend, she's done blackface, I'm pretty sure. And her ex-boyfriend, Jimmy Kimmel, has done blackface. and. You know, I guess, you know, they're racist. It's just by the rules that they've set up. These are racist people. Comedy has no bearing on any of it. And they're racists and bigots and, and sexists. And if you don't believe that Jimmy Kimmel's a sexist, well, you better check some of those old clips of the, of the man show because boy, all the girls jumping on trampolines and all the comments about boobs and blondes and all that stuff. I mean, that Kimmel guy, and, and again, that's why he has to constantly bow to wokeism because he knows he's a bad guy. Actually, he did bad stuff in the past, so he has to bow to his new leader. All right, let's let's move on. Uh, I wanted to cover this story because I, I think this is really important. You know, we did this panel show on Friday, all uh, all about what's going on in Canada, and th- there's huge problems in Canada. They they have draconian lockdowns. They have rules being changed constantly. They have police setting up barricades, stopping people on roads, asking for identification. I mean, it genuinely sounds like Nazi type stuff. And and we actually talked about it using that phrase on the show. And I, I, I don't think it is too much of a jump, you know, in this weird world that we live in right now where you can just call anyone a Nazi and you can call anyone a white supremacist and make up the name of their show and all of those things. 
Um, the idea that these people, the authorities in Canada are now using Nazi-like tactics, I think is fine. Show me your papers, right? Like stopping people, like how does it start? It didn't just start one day where the Nazis were just there and it was just like kill all the Jews, right? It just wasn't that. It was this slow creep. So the, the things that are happening in Canada right now feel like that slow creep. That's what we did a panel on on Friday. And Ezra Levant from uh, Rebel Media, who's been one of the, the prime guys showing some of the videos, exposing some of this nonsense. Um, he was on the show and he mentioned that there is a pastor in Canada, his name is Arthur Pawlowski, and uh, he was about to be arrested. Now he, this guy, there, I think we had played a, a video of his a couple weeks ago, where there were people trying to come into his church, authorities trying to come into the church. And is he Polish? I think he's Polish originally, can, can we check on that? Um, he, certainly he's from Eastern Europe originally, and he dealt with communists, right? He dealt with socialists, he dealt with bad people, and he, as the police are coming into his church, he's yelling at them, you're not welcome here, you Nazis, you can't come in here. This is a guy who's lived through this. Well, he's just been arrested, so we've got a, so Ezra Levant tweeted this, and then we're gonna show you some video. A heavily armed SWAT team just took down a Christian pastor heading home from church. Police say he's charged with inciting people to go to church. This is the second pastor jailed this year. We're crowdfunding uh, for his lawyers at savearter.com. That's S-A-V-E-A-R-T-U-R.com. And we link to it on Friday. Uh, now we've got some video from Rebel News. Friends, this is Pastor Art Poloski. If you're watching this video, that means they have successfully arrested me and I am in jail. If you would like to support me, if you would like to support Rebel News and the legal team that is trying their best to get me out of this trouble, please go to safearthur.com. Please donate, please help. Help me, help my family, help my wife and my children to get me out of this horrible, illegal, situation, please go to savearthur.com and get me out of this if you can. Okay, so to be clear again, and you can find the, the original video as well, uh, he was arrested because he allowed people to go into his church and they did not want that to happen and he kicked the police out. So they knew that this was coming because he then wanted to keep his church open. There's no evidence that anyone got sick at his church or anything like that. Just for a little background on him, I, I was correct, he was born in Poland, he then lived in Greece and eventually immigrated to Canada in 1995 and became a Canadian citizen in 2004. I suspect when he moved to Canada, you know, 26 years ago or so, that he did not anticipate being arrested for trying to hold church services in Canada, okay? So this is, this is an important story. You're not gonna see this on mainstream media. I felt we had to cover it again, and it's, it's Save Arter, A-R-T-U-R, dot com if you want to donate and help his legal fund and what's happening what's happening in canada why why are they just folding over why is this happening why is no one talking about it 
You tell me. I, I don't know what the answer to that is. Uh, finally, guys, I want to do one other story um, because this broke yesterday. Uh, Chris Rufo, who I've had on the show, I've mentioned to you guys, he's one of these people. You know, I don't like people that just talk. There's a lot of people that just talk but don't actually do anything. I try in my own life to be someone that's doing something as well. That's why I started Locals.com to fight to fight some of the big tech stuff. I try to bring people on the show who are actually doing things like fighting back in whatever way that they can, which is why I had the teacher on from Grace Church School a couple weeks ago. And that way, anyone that, that if you're under assault and you're out there, uh, I wanna have you on to amplify your story because it can't just be about talking about things, it's about doing things. Well, Chris Rufo is doing a great job of using the legal system to expose how diversity and inclusion is bringing systemic racism into so many of our corporate structures and our government. Uh, so I've got a tweet from Chris, this is from yesterday, exposing what's going on at Disney, and I would say you're not gonna believe it, but yeah, of course you're gonna believe it. The Walt Disney Corporation claims that America was founded on systemic racism, encourages employees to complete a white privilege checklist, and separates minorities into racially segregated affinity groups. I've obtained internal documents that will shock you. Okay, so we're gonna show you some of the internal documents right now and I'm going to uh, just read some of the highlights from these things. So these are actual confirmed internal documents from Disney. Chris Rufo has put his, his name and his reputation on the line. I have absolute faith in this guy. Uh, and here we go, so take a look at some of the docs. According to a trove of whistleblower materials, Disney has launched a diversity and inclusion program called Reimagine Tomorrow, which includes trainings on systemic racism, white privilege, white fragility, white saviors, microaggressions, and anti-racism. We'll continue. Disney claims that America has a long history of systemic racism and transphobia and tells employees they must take ownership of educating yourself about structural anti-black racism and not rely on your black colleagues to educate you, which is emotionally taxing. I mean, it gets even crazier. White employees are told to work through feelings of guilt, shame, and defensiveness to understand what is beneath them and what needs to be healed. They must listen with empathy to black colleagues and not question or debate black colleagues' lived experience. I mean, is this stuff bananas? Disney tells employees that they should reject equality or equal treatment and instead strive for equity or the equality of outcome. They must, they must reflect on America's racist infrastructure and think carefully about whether or not their wealth is derived from racism. I mean, there's more, this is just insane. Disney sponsored the creation of a 21-day racial equity and social justice challenge and recommended it to employees. The challenge begins with a lesson on systemic racism and tells participants they have all been raised in a society that elevates white culture over others. I mean, this stuff is just absolutely evil. Disney is a giant, corporate conglomerate that is in charge of so much of our cultural information, so much of the stuff that makes America, America, right? The Disney movies, the Star Wars movies, they buy everything, they control so much of the way we think about things. And, and at this point, if, if you go to Disney things and you go to their parks and you buy Star Wars toys, they wreck Star Wars too, I think you've heard me talk about that once or twice. But you are paying for the people who are trying 
to destroy you. It is as simple as that. I think Rufo also had a tweet, a follow-up on that, about the top three guys at Disney who are all, of course, white, heterosexual, straight men. Strange they didn't let a black guy jump in there if they really cared about any of this stuff. These people are all hypocrites and these, these institutions must fail. And I don't think they can be saved. I don't think any of these things can be saved, our cultural or political institutions anymore. We must build new things. I don't I guess we have to have some sort of national separation. Like these things are just going down with the ship. Hopefully Disney will address some of this stuff. And if Disney doesn't want systemic racism, then they should come out against the COVID bill, which helped black farmers more than it helped white farmers. So systemic racism is here, courtesy of the Democrats, courtesy of the progressives and the wokesters, right? If Disney wants to get rid of systemic racism, then maybe they want to get rid of affirmative action because I don't think helping people based on the color of their skin, giving government services based on the color of skin uh, actually help, well, it doesn't help anybody and we know it keeps people actually in the cycle of poverty. And if you don't believe that, show me, show me where when affirmative action comes in and subsidized housing comes in, show me all the success stories of when people escape these things. Please, please show me. And you know what, you can't. Try a little Thomas Sowell, might help you. Uh, guys, part two of my interview with Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri is up right now. We talk a ton, it's mostly about big tech, and we get into all of the philosophical issues that I'm constantly talking about on the show related to free markets, related to, uh, related to competition, related to regulation, related to breaking these things up. And can we send bureaucrats to go into Google and fiddle around with the algorithms and make everything more fair, or is that just a complete pipe dream? Uh, so it's a, it's a really interesting interview, and the full episode, of course, is up already, completely ad-free at rubenreport.locals.com. Uh, by the way, we are doing a, a Q&A. We always do the Ask Me Anything Q&As right here on Thursdays. I'm taking questions for it today because I'm doing a little traveling, going to Dallas uh, later in the week. So if you want to submit questions uh, for that Q&A, uh, you can submit at rubenreport.locals.com. Uh, and then Friday, we're doing a panel uh, with uh, three people, Travis Brown and my former guests and friends, Douglas Murray and Peter Bogosian. Travis is a filmmaker and he is working on a film right now that is soon to be released, uh, all about sort of wokeism and just all the stuff, all the stuff. So we're, we're gonna talk all about that. Uh, and you guys know how I feel about Douglas and Peter, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. A lot going on, as I said, doing a bunch of stuff with The Blaze. I'll be there all day Friday filming all their shows. And anyway, I hope you've enjoyed uh, the Dave Rubin show for today. And uh, I'm Dave Rubin. I'm not a white supremacist and I don't like white supremacists or hosting white supremacists. Uh, Andrew Yang or someone from Andrew Yang's team, if you're watching, um, I'd love to engage with you on this. I think uh, the way I talked about our experience together was respectful and I would like to continue that conversation. I think you kinda threw me under the bus there. I'm a little surprised because of all the nice things that you said that I was doing and the problems that you saw with the left and, and what was happening with liberalism sort of being destroyed by the wokesters and you were so impressed by the IDW and all that. So your response was a, a little bit odd. I don't know if you're also kind of throwing Rogan under the bus there, but if you wanna clarify any of that, I'd, I'd be happy to have you on completely unedited. No papers, no nothing. And, uh, and Mara Gay, you know, if, if you're watching, uh, maybe you want a retraction. I, I'm not a white supremacist. I don't regularly host white supremacists. Neither one of you guys are white supremacists, right? Okay, no, they both shook their head no. So there's no white supremacists in here. And at the very least, I would assume as a journalist, you would want to correct the name of the show. So I look forward to that. I will retweet you for a couple likes if you do it. Uh, anyway, have a great day, everybody. We're back in studio tomorrow. And good luck out there, it's wacky. Okay, see ya.
Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubinreport.locals.com.